Coaches, hello. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. Welcome back to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is episode 108. Today, we have Coach Brooks Miller. He's the head men's basketball coach and assistant athletic director at Trine University in Angola, Indiana. Coach Miller joined the program in 2011 and has more than 17 years of collegiate basketball playing and coaching experience, including serving as a graduate assistant coach to Bob Knight at Texas Tech University, who ranks third on the all-time Division I wins list. Miller's eight-year career as head coach at Trine University has included eight consecutive top four MIAA finishes, which culminated in the 2019 MIAA regular season championship. The 2019 MIAA title was the first MIAA championship in trying history and marked the first outright MIAA championship by a school other than Hope at a Michigan College in Calvin, Michigan. The team was led by senior Pete Smith, who was named the MIAA's most valuable player, as well as Marcus Winters, who had earned the MIAA's Defensive Player of the Year Award. The 2018-19 team also set Trine's D3 record for wins in a season with 19 victories. The Thunder have posted an overall record of 124 and 86 under Miller's guidance, including a 68 and 44 mark against MIA foes. In 2016, Trine advanced to the MIA tournament championship game for the first time in school history after defeating number five Hope on its home floor in the semifinal round. Miller also led Trine to its first ever home game in the MIA semifinals in 2014-15 as a Thunder placed second in the conference. Miller's basketball career started when he was a player at the University of Toledo in Toledo, Ohio, and at Hillsdale College in Hillsdale, Michigan. At Hillsdale in 2003, Miller was selected team captain, academic all-conference, and team defensive player of the year. Hillsdale reached the NCAA Division II National Tournament in back-to-back -back years for the first time in school history during Miller's sophomore and junior seasons in 2001-2002. Miller worked as an assistant men's basketball coach for three Hall of Fame coaches that amassed seven national championships throughout their careers. Miller began his collegiate coaching career working for BCAM Hall of Fame coach Ed Duma won national championship, whom he previously played for at Halesdale. In 2007, his career took him to the Texas Tech University in Lubbock, Texas, where he served as a graduate assistant coach to Naismith Hall of Fame coach Bob Knight, three national championships, and was involved with on-campus recruiting and player development in 2009, he became the head assistant men's basketball coach and national recruiting coordinator at South Plains College in Llewellyn, Texas. For junior, for junior college Hall of Fame coach Steve Green, who has amassed three national championships. While at South Plains, Coach Miller coached and or recruited nine players that would transfer on to NCAA Division I universities. 
Coach Miller earned a Bachelor of Science in History and Physical Education from Hillsdale and a Master's Degree in Exercise Sports Science from Texas Tech University. Brooks, his wife Gretchen, son Champ, and daughter Jordan reside in Angola, Indiana. Coaches, let's welcome Coach Brooks Miller. Brooks, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Coach. Hey, you got me? Brooks, yeah. How you doing, man? Can you hear me okay? I can. I can. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah. Hey, this is a, a first time where I actually get a coach pregame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I figured this is probably the best time to catch me without having to put out a fire or do something else like that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, I appreciate you joining me. I, I always love uh, most coaches that I do. I, uh, Getting the perspective of a a great coming on. Okay, are we are we live now? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm trying to figure this out. I, I just came onto my phone a little bit different. So, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I'm excited to be here and talk to you a little bit. Um, you know, obviously a little geared up for the game too. So we've uh, we're on a two game winning streak here in the conference, four games overall. So I think. Uh, we're playing against my old assistant tonight, too, and his team. And he's got his team playing really well. And, you know, going on the road, it's uh, it's always a battle in, in college basketball, no matter what level you're at. Yeah, and I saw that you, you won four in a row, man. Congratulations. How did you get to that point? Well, actually, our, our starting center, who was the defensive player of the year at the conference, is a sophomore and was a really good player for us last year, Maurice Hunter. Um, he was out all fall with a high ankle sprain. And then we got him back for a week and a half, and two minutes into our first game, he uh, dislocated his elbow, diving for a loose ball. So he was out for four weeks, and, and uh, we tried to get him back into the mix there in the beginning of December, and, and it was an adjustment for us as a staff to try to figure out how to, how to do that. And I think he's finally gotten back into the swing of things, and he's had a significant impact on the rest of the guys just from a leadership standpoint. And He just needed to get some reps, and, and defensively he's helped us really improve a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny how kind of a season progresses and so forth. Uh, we actually are playing our best basketball right now, which I'm actually kind of worried about. <laughs> I mean, so yeah. when when do you – I mean, do you try to – I know it's hard as coaches. Are you trying to peak at the right time? I don't, I don't even know if coaches can actually 
force feed that. Now, what, what are you trying to do to get ready for, I guess, the, you know, your tournament? I think each and every day you just try to win the day with what you're what you're trying to get accomplished, and that changes from day to day based on a lot of different factors. One of the things I think makes basketball so much more unique than a lot of other sports is there's just so many more variables that affect the mental aspect of the game. You know, just foul troubles, for example, or it's such a skill-based game. I mean, if you you can have yeah, it's really hard to play the game of basketball if you can't dribble, pass, and shoot. Right. And if you got two of the three or even one of the three, you still got to have a mental aspect of it. And smart always wins, uh, usually wins out more than anything. So there's a lot of different variables that go into uh, a basketball player about preparing for a basketball game in a season. So I've never really thought as much about the long haul as much as I've thought about where are we at right now? What do we need to do to get better today? Yeah, it's what's important now. I mean, that, yeah. that that's a great point, Coach. Hey, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and how you kind of, created this passion for the game of basketball, even when, you know, where did you grow up and, and how did you become a coach, basically? I grew up in Northwest Ohio. I grew up on a pig farm uh, out there. I went to a, a small rural high school, Evergreen High School, but we had three three towns. It was a really strong community, and, and in the 80s and the 90s, you know, everything was about athletics in terms of competition. Uh, I was real fortunate. I had two great parents that uh, were had a lot of friends and were really involved in athletics and, and exposed me to a lot, but uh, we had a real tight knit group of friends um, and I, I had cousins that were like uncles to me um, it was a real extended family experience growing up I was really fortunate to be around a lot of older people that let me play uh, I always tell I always go back and I, every time I go back home I, I thank uh, the people I see you know thanks for letting me play at the park thanks for letting me get into that open gym you know because I used to idolize those guys they're your heroes for a lot of different reasons and and we grew up playing basketball baseball football we played all three of those and and basketball just kind of worked out for me. I think uh, the way uh, it just, I just evolved as an athlete. Uh, some of the things that happened and, and some of the opportunities that I had. I was an all-state football player. I really loved football. And actually, if I, if I had the choice to coach anything, football would, I think, to me, would be my favorite sport to coach because you're just in so much more control. Uh, but basketball is really, it's been a challenge in a lot of ways. And I think the challenge of being successful in the game, uh, because of the things I talked about, the not only the physical tools you got to have, but the mental side of it, the preparation, the, the constant, uh, you know, you're playing two games a week, sometimes three. Uh, the things that it pushes you, it forces you to find out about yourself, I think are really unique, especially from a fatigue standpoint. Um, you know, your mentality at the offensive end of the floor is extremely different to be successful at the defensive end of the floor. So you got to flip that switch. And, and I think, uh, you know, that challenge has really intrigued me and, and really got me to really grow and love the game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you've been at Trine since 2011, correct? Correct, yeah. Before that, I was a uh, an assistant coach for Steve Green at South Plains College. It's a Division One junior college out in West Texas. Uh, coach Green's in the Hall of Fame. He's won three national championships there at junior college. Um, when I was there, I think in the two years I was there and the players we coached, we had, oh, I, I think there was nine of them uh, that went on to play Division One, and, and of those nine, eight of them played in the NCAA tournament at the next level. So that was something we were really proud of. Um, and he's done that with a lot of different guys. We just had one of our young men, Stanton Kidd, he signed with the Utah Jazz and, and was on the roster here for the first two and a half months of the season. Um, he was just recently, uh, he got the, he's in Melbourne, Australia now, but we were real proud that he was able to, to crack an NBA roster after being in Europe for a few years. So I uh, lot, learned a lot there. Um, especially in recruiting, built a lot of great relationships. And before that, I was at Texas Tech as a graduate assistant, uh, 
Coach Knight was the head coach there my first year, and then Pat took over. And I had a lot of great stories from there, unbelievable experiences you can imagine, and the relationships I was able to build there. You know, one of my, my biggest, uh, you know, the job I had there was I was Coach Beard's assistant. I basically handled all on-campus recruiting when we'd have recruits there, and he was our biggest recruiter. And then I did a lot of stuff uh, player development-wise, and Coach Beard was heavily involved in the program there um, back back then. And, and we actually lived across the street from each other, and, and uh, we still, to this day, after, at the end of the season, I always go wherever they're at in the NCAA tournament. I fly out there and get to hang out with the team and the coaching staff and watch them prepare. So real thankful for my time there and the people I got to meet. And, and my wife and I both, uh, Hillsdale College, which I was that's where I was at before, uh, before I went to Texas Tech as both a player and an assistant coach. And, and her and I have kind of traveled all around here. We found a really great home at, at Trine University. Yeah, you work, you work for some great coaches, but I do want to hear some Bobby Knight stories, man. You got to tell me. Um, because he's a, le- I mean, well, he's got legendary stories, but maybe I can get some insight, man. Please tell me. <laughs> well, he was really remarkable. One of the things about Coach Knight that I, I don't think is is appreciated enough is how funny he is. His sense of humor is incredible and remarkable. Uh, I mean, there was something every day that uh, you know. There's a lot of different things I could go into, but in, in his ability, his intensity level, the things Coach could bring to a practice just by standing there. The things he brought to our office, the amount of alertness and awareness. He always talked about being alert as a skill, and he just brought that. Uh, you know, it's, he was really difficult. I, I think some of his former assistants that have become head coaches, um, you know, I don't consider myself one. As a graduate assistant, I was there. I did a lot of things, but not a, you know, never in the role that those assistants were. He's just so difficult to emulate it from that standpoint, what he brought to the table from a present standpoint. I, I give you the best story, I think, off the top of my head that I can tell is we, uh, we play in Dallas right before we go to Christmas break. We're playing Stanford. They got the Lopez Twins, Landry Fields, mm-hmm. uh, and they got a couple other guys that can really, really play. And we were starting two freshmen, Mike Singletary and John Roberson. We played this young, another freshman, Waylon Roberts. These weren't one-and-done level freshmen. They were good players. But we go there, and we lose a really close game down the stretch. Uh, and there was some officiating maybe at, at, at the end of it that was questionable here or there, and I didn't think nothing of that. Um, and the guys went home for Christmas break, and I, I didn't go home because I was you know, half, a, half a country away, and, and I got, got in the office early the next day, and I see him in there watching video, um, and he actually called me and said, boy, get in here and come watch some tape with me. So <laughs> I sat in there with him, and I'm really calculated in what I'm trying to say because it is a speak-when-spoken-to situation, um, which was great, and that, and that was a really good time of my life. I was 27, 28 years old. I'd already been a full-time assistant at Hillsdale at Division II, so I was a little more prepared for those type of things, and we're watching the video, and, and uh, we had a really good session there, and he asked me one question. He said, what do you think is going on in his head? And I remember the comment I made. Uh, I said, well, i got to be up. I said, Coach, I, I don't think he really understands what's going on. I think he's just trying to make a play on the ball, um, and he was really unaware of, this or that and he said he goes you know what i think you're right and i shut up i didn't say a word the next 45 minutes <laughs> to an hour in the film session which was him and i i figured i could go to joe's tavern in metamore ohio and tell that story for the rest of my life and have more clout than all my all the guys that i looked up to growing up that were that were working back home so but uh, it was just a remarkable experience i really appreciated uh, the opportunity he gave us and gave me um and, and like i said the people i got to meet there uh, both my wife and i 
uh, he got my wife a job at the Economic Development Alliance in town, and, and we're still in close contact with many people from Lubbock. It's a, it's a tremendous city, and, and uh, we brought a lot of those values here to, to Trine. My wife is also the, uh, she's the vice president here at Trine of, of administration and, and the chief of staff of the university. So this place has been really good to us. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. And you guys are committed to that university. You got both you and your wife working there. Why, what, what do you like about trying that makes you so loyal to the university? Well, they, they gave us our, our, a real opportunity. It's, it's hard to hire a coach, a young coach in particular. I was 30 years old with no coaching experience. They went out on a limb and, and gave us an opportunity and, and allowed me to, to do a lot of different things here and, and really at times learn how to coach. Because um, I, I think any first-year head coach, whether you're 45 years old or you're 30 years old or you're 24, you really don't know what works for you. You need a body of work to work from. And we were fortunate to have relative success uh, when we got here. We, fin we finished in the top four of the MIAA every year I've been here, all, all eight years, uh, culminating in a championship last season. But we, uh, we, we, we had some talent. We had some things. But they, uh, this place has given us the resources to be successful. Uh, we've had great and tremendous leadership here. Um, it's a conservative body of, of our board of trustees with Rick James, who's the chairman, uh, um, Jerry Allen, who's actually a close friend of Coach Knight's, which kind of opened the door for me here uh, in a lot of ways. And, and Dr. Brooks, our president, and our athletic director, Matt Land, was an extremely successful football coach when I first arrived here on campus and had a lot to do with me getting the job. So I, I just think it's, it's a great place to live. The city of Angola is fantastic. I grew up in Northwest Ohio, which is about an hour away. My wife grew up in Northwest Indiana. So we're in a really nice location and we get to work with really high achieving, high character young men and get to use the game of basketball to put them in some adverse situations and also put them in some situations of success and, and teach them how to respond in both of those, uh, in those areas. Coach, tell us about, I mean, everybody talks about culture, but I really believe culture trumps strategy. How are you building a great positive culture there at Trine? Well, I, I think it's every day. I don't think, I think it's culture is a really fragile thing. It's, it's obviously a really hot word right now, but the culture of our team and our program has really evolved each and every year based on who we have, the personalities we have, what, uh, you know, in terms of, what you're trying to get accomplished again you none of us are ever guaranteed tomorrow and i think a basketball coach in particular uh, lives that professionally and as a player uh, you know with with injuries or whatever things can happen and where it can be over so build a culture of making it important to you i i think it's no different than being in your family or in the, in the workplace that you're going to be successful when what you're doing is really important to you. you and for it to be important, you've got to be committed uh, to the success of the group. So we try to get these guys to understand that it's about the group. What can you do to raise the level of the group? And how can, in order to do that, you've got to be really committed to the group's success. So we try to get the guys really close to one another, uh, understand we, each of us have a story. All of us have, uh, you know, challenges that we've had to overcome. Some of us have had some things, some advantages. So how can we utilize those situations and bring it into this atmosphere of a team and get a few wins here and there because of it? But more importantly, how do we grow because of each other? Um, one of the things I think we have emphasized more than most is we're very confrontational. Uh, I think secrets uh, in our locker room, in our film room, of what we need to do to be successful or what each individual needs to do or avoid. And we try to get our guys to understand that, hey, I can do this really well. I can continue to get better at it. This is what I need to stick to. 
uh, these are things I can improve on, and these are things I need to avoid altogether. And, and what I've found as a coach and now a dad, thing to do is to get people to accept what we're not very good at. Um, and again, you have to look at that and evaluate. You have to be a good self-evaluator. Yeah, to avoid those situations together. So, those are things I think we really emphasize here, um, and we, you know, we try to show video to get points of speakers come in. But again, we in Division Three, I've been a lot of as I talk about uh, Division Three. It's really we're not we don't have anybody going to the NBA. Very few people um, at all go play professionally overseas for for the money that they can make getting their job using their degree, especially one from trying. Um, you know, so we got this four-year experience. Even the guy that scores 20 a game has a role. His role is to score for us. And in the end, those moments you have where you come together and everybody makes a few sacrifices here and there, uh, it's really special. And, and I think, you know, working hard is overrated. You know, everybody thinks they work hard. But to me, I try to get the guys to understand, hey, what are you willing to sacrifice and give up that the other guy's not? So those are things we talk about here. But we really talk about being a great teammate for two and a half hours a day. What can you do to be the best teammate you can possibly be? And I think those are things you can take with you uh, no matter what you do in the rest of your life. Yeah, I absolutely love Division Three basketball. Matter of fact, I have um, I have a girl that will probably play at the Division Three level, and she's probably the perfect who loves the game, Brooks. And, and I, I think you have to love the game and coaches as well. To play and to coach and teach and also play at the D3 level. I think some of the best basketball, the best coach basketball is at Division Three. What do you think? Well, I think there's great coaches everywhere. I, I think we do have a lot of great coaches at our level, but and I think the, the best I've ever had a chance to work with, and I was fortunate I played at Calvin College when he was back in the day and then I worked for him for three years so I've been fortunate to watch these guys uh, that have had a lot of success and they were who they were uh, they never tried to sugarcoat anything they were very honest open individuals that are willing to have that difficult, uncomfortable conversation with the young man to get him to take the next step in his development. I think those are the guys that have had a lot of success. And obviously, you got to be talented. Um, but, there, um, but, you know, there's some little things involved, the little details, the ownership, the accountability that really play into uh, your overall success. And, and the coaches I've been a part of in Division One, Two, and Three in junior college, um, you know, they do a really good job communicating the vision. And I think that's where you have the most success. And, and you got to be able to look them in the eye and, and you gotta, you got to work for them. You know, in Division Three, I tell our, our recruits and our players all the time, you know, we're not paying you to be here. You're paying us. We're your resource. So utilize us. What can you get out of this? And embrace the bad days as well as the good, and you'll really get a great education. And that's what I think at Trine University we really have preached, and not just in basketball but in, in our entire university family is, you can get a degree from a lot of places, but what, what about the substance? What about the education? And we really think basketball helps bring out that substance and, and, and really provide you the education uh, that's really unique. Yeah, those are some great points. And I, I really want to get into now, coaches, your um, your system. And I, I really believe that your your best coaches 
have a style and a system of play that's unique compared to the opposition. Do you agree with that? Or do you agree you just take your personnel each year and adapt? No, I think uh, some people, I agree with you. I think you got to be unique to be special, especially to have sustained success. But sometimes your system includes recruiting better players than the other guys. <laughs> right. You know, in college, that's significant. And, and I mean that wholeheartedly. There's some guys, it's very difficult to be a great coach and a great recruiter, especially at the highest level, because um, there's certain things you just got to concede at times and compromise that you don't have to maybe at our level or in high school. Uh, but it's a part of coaching, accumulating talent, and then being able to get that talent to work together. So, you know, our system is, is a little unique in the fact that we still run true motion offense. We have about four or five entries into it. You know, we'll, we'll occasionally throw a different entry based on who we play if we think we can take advantage of this. But everybody's a passer, everybody's a cutter, everybody's a screener, and everybody knows their home runs. Uh, you know, we talk about this is what this guy is looking for. In Division Three, I felt we've kind of had to pick our deficiency a little bit because you're not getting, obviously, if you're getting a guy that was extremely smart with good size and great athleticism and, and exceptional skill, um, he wants there, he wants to be a civil engineer and he wants to get to Trident University. So most of the guys we recruit, um, and you don't have as much control in recruiting in Division Three as you do at other levels. So the motion really helps us utilize angles and value strengths. But in order to do that, again, I go back to the role definition and the confrontation of being able to accept what you do well. So we have certain guys that are better screeners than others, and that's their job. And when they get the ball at this part, in this spot on the floor, this is where you make your plays. This is your home run. Uh, so it helps us really identify roles. And I, and I think that that's something you can take with, with you because it's an extremely unselfish offense. Um, you got to be willing to share the ball for it to be successful. Most offenses are that way. But in this one, is, it's extremely uh, it's extremely important. It's vital because everybody touches it. And you got to be really patient. I, I think if you look at our records um, since I've been here, we've probably struggled, struggled much more earlier on in the season than we have later in the season. We've gotten better because I think the motion helps you become a better defensive team. Uh, it, you see a lot of different actions. But it also makes you put you in different situations offensively. It helps you uh, really develop as a player more mentally and physically because you're, you're making reads, you're making the decisions. And I think that's when it's really special. Uh, and when we got a lot of returners and a lot of upperclassmen, uh, it looks, you know, it, it's pretty fun to watch. And then defensively, we really stay geared into keeping the ball out of the middle, trying to get the ball stopped in the short corner. Um, we, we call it push, but uh, I guess they call it ice. Uh, we've been doing it since I got here. Coach Knight did it a little bit um, on the ball screen, trying to keep the ball out of the middle of the floor. We've done it a lot of different ways. We've evolved in that uh, since I've been here. So there's, you know, everybody kind of has their own thing, and I think we put our own uh, fingerprint on the motion that's unique. I think Coach Lindsey here at Adrian, who we're playing tonight, he's running motion after being with us for four years, and, and he's got his own little, uh, you know, fingerprint on his. And, and then defensively, we just try to really adapt. Uh, we're, we're, we're very principled. Our scouting reports are – we don't spend a lot of time with individuals. He likes to do this. He likes to do that. We try to talk about how can we keep him on this side of the floor, or that guy on that side of the floor. How do we keep the ball out of this area and those things? But it does take a lot of time. Uh, you're a principled offense and a principled defense, and it's very team-oriented. It takes a lot of repetition. And unfortunately, in Division Three, we don't get a lot of repetition in the offseason. We really get zero. Um, so we, we're really relying on upperclassmen to help us be successful early in the year. Yeah, I love that. I mean, um, are you also a tempo team or you're more into 
uh, trying to control the ball. I know, I know the shot clock at the college level and so forth. Um, well, you believe in pace. You know, it's hard to get up and down the floor if you can't rebound. Exactly. It's hard, it's hard to uh, – but we believe in getting the ball side to side in the half court. You know, uh, inside out jump shots, uh, getting reversals, two and three reversals each and every possession. We use our offense as a big part of our defense. Uh, you know, we play a young man tonight averaging 24.7 points per game, and he's going to get screened on every possession because we're hoping that he's thinking about getting screened first, scoring second. So those are things that we really emphasize in scouting. How do we utilize our offense? How can we get guys – how can we get certain angles on really good players? Because the best way to guard a really good player, and I learned this from Coach Knight, is put him on the bench. Um, I'll tell you one more quick story if you got time for it. We're playing Texas A&M. This is for Coach Knight's 900th career win. Sure. And they have a young man named DeAndre Jordan. They have uh, Donald Sloan, both NBA guys. Jordan mm-hmm. was obviously a big-time player. He's had a great career in the NBA. But the two best players were a guy named Josh Carter, a 6'7 wing. And uh, I don't remember the other guy. Joseph Jones was another big guy for them. They just they had pros all around the floor. And we did not. Uh, if you look at our roster, we did not. But we knew what we had to do with DeAndre Jordan is drive him and try to get him in foul trouble. So we practice all week flashing six, seven Trevor Cook, not an athlete, to the elbow, and then just put your head down and go. So with you can check the box score in this in the play-by-play. With 19.52 left in the first half, DeAndre Jordan gets his first foul. And then about, I don't know, less than a minute later, he picks up his second. He sits the whole first half. We win that game by 19 for Coach Knight's 900th career win. And then we go back there. We go to play at College Station about a month and a half later after Coach Knight resigned. We got beat by 55. We didn't get DeAndre Jordan in, tr- in foul trouble that night. So that was, uh, you know, the significance of those little things that I think the motion helps you with. Uh, you know, it's really important. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I don't think um, – I think we talk about it as coaches, but I don't think we do enough as coaches – on really trying to get get the best team's player in foul trouble. I think it's a lot of talk. I think you have to run specific sets. You got to know, has to be well, really well coached, don't you think? Yeah, and you got to emphasize it. Now, you also got to have guys that can get guys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One of the issues we have on this year's team is, is, and why we're not 10 and whatever and we're 8 and whatever is because we can't get to the free throw line as well. So we rely, we're a little more jump shot oriented or. Uh, uh, you know, perimeter-oriented than I would like us to be. Uh, we're doing a little bit better job getting it into the post, but we don't have a whole lot of guys that can really attack it off the dribble. But again, because of the motion, you can make some adjustments there to try to, to make up for that. But yes, I, I think it's something you have to emphasize. you got to believe in it. And, and your players know when you believe in something and when you don't. Um, you're not going to trick them. They, they just, they're, they're, it doesn't work that way, especially being a former player. You, you, just, you have to really believe it you got to have a, a lot of faith in what you do. And, and if you do that and your players see the passion and the energy you have for them, uh, you know, our job as coaches is to give them a chance. What can we find in film? What can we see in practice that can give them the best chance to be successful out there and get their name in the paper or have that girl wave to them this time around? You know, So uh, that's the little stuff that we work for, I think, as coaches. And, and, and the more you do that, the more you serve those guys in that area, I think they really respect it. Yeah, I love that. And, and- – you mentioned about about free throw. I, I I call it the free throw factor, and that's a that's a um, a huddle stat that I really look for. Our team has a big six foot girl and a bunch of guards, coach, and 
we actually shoot a lot of jump shots with that. And sometimes it really hurts us. Um, our free throw factor is good with our big, but not with our guards because we shoot a lot of threes. And I think I have to make some adjustments there, but the free throw factor is important trying to get to the line. Yeah, I think all things being equal, you know, everybody's got the same players and they go out there and play against each other. Who wins? Well, it's the team that can get the easy, the most easy baskets. And how do you create easy baskets? Uh, each and every team has a way to do that in terms of usually the, the defensive end of the floor. Um, and then getting to the free throw line, you know, shot faking, uh, ball faking. And then that's, that's one of the things I learned down there in Texas. And you were with Coach Knight. Well, you must have learned so much. I said, well, I learned how to shot fake. And it's really, really important. <laughs> Creating angles is important. Everything else we did down there was not that it – was, it wasn't that much different than what you would have thought. Uh, a basketball coach would be like, but he really put a big emphasis and a high margin on the little things that everybody can do, regardless of your size and athleticism. So you got to create those angles to get to the free throw line, and then you got to be willing to go in there and, and take the hits. Um, you know, jump stops. We talk about two foot jump stops over and over and over again. Uh, my assistant coach Layman, who was a great player at Ferris State, he was an American there for Andy Bronkema. Uh, he said, he goes, you know. What I'm starting to figure out with this thing is we just got to tell them the same stuff every day and maybe a little bit differently. But if we just keep saying the same stuff right. every day, I think they're going to get it. And, and that's we keep it really simple. You know, we, 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 we emphasize a few different things, sprinting the screen, uh, finishing your cuts, using the shot fake, the ball fake, two-foot jump stops offensively, sealing the baseline defensively, defensively communicating, getting to the high shoulder on the ball screen. You know, keeping it really simple, but it's obviously – uh, things are difficult to execute. That, that's, that's not just basketball. That's everything in life. Being successful is not that hard in terms of writing it on paper or putting a quote down or knowing what you need to do. It's being willing to actually do it, especially under duress and with adversity. You know, fortunately for us as coaches, we get to use the game of basketball to help prepare these guys for that. Yes, and, and let's talk about communication really quick, Coach. Um, the one thing that we're struggling on right now with my team, now we have a pretty good team. You know, we're 14 and four and we're ranked pretty high in the state. I still feel like we do not talk on the floor enough. We talk great in practice. I'm trying to get us to have less slippage and talk more in the game. What do you do to improve your communication? Well, I think it's just something you got to continually emphasize. Um, you know, I don't think any of us, I think we're all uh, vulnerable to that especially when things don't go your way. Um, and when you have young teams, young teams have a hard time communicating, not because they don't want to talk, but sometimes they don't know what to say. Yeah. And the game's happening too fast. So, you know, I was telling you when we got Hunter back, our senior, uh, who's a great defensive player, that really improved us all around because he's the best communicator we have. He's doing a one-on-zero workout tonight with Coach Lehman uh, before we left, and he's yelling. Every time he sets a ball screen, he's yelling pop, or he's yelling roll. Um, every time he's you know, he's flashing to the free throw line. He's yelling, free throw, free throw. So those are things that you just got to, over time, ingrain in these these young men and women to get them to do it. Uh, but it, it is. It's a constant reminder. It's, you know, to a, to a sense, it's nagging. Um, I had a, one of my mentors is a guy named Doug Williams. His son uh, is a player for us right now, but he was an assistant for me here at Trine for seven years. And, and he says coaching is just getting guys and, and players to do things they don't want to do longer than the other guy. And, and what are those things that are hard to do, especially when you're tired? And, and again, I talk about basketball. The fatigue factor in basketball is going to happen. You know, it, it's going to happen. And what are you going to do when you get tired? What level of tiredness are you going to revert back to? 
and I think it's really important that you just have a few things that you really, really believe in that you emphasize day in and day out. But, you know, my parents did that to me too. It was be on time, look people in the eye. When you say you're going to do something, get it done. Uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, and, and we had a great, we had a really great family, strong, strong values, but they were simple and they were emphasized every day. Yeah, it's those little things, man. And, and, and uh, I mean, you could even say that parenting is so underrated these days, but so important. Do you look for kids that come from really good homes and so forth that have those values? We, we look for young men that come from really successful high school programs. We put a really large emphasis on that because you don't just pick up, you just don't win on accident. I don't care how talented you are. If you're coming from a high school program that's consistently successful, you have good habits that you don't realize you have. Uh, and by being in our locker room, you help give those, you spread them around on accident. And, and as a parent, you know, we're always talking about, or, you know, my wife and I are talking about, okay, who are they going to hang out with? Are they going to go to, they want to go to this birthday party or that birthday party? Well, what are their parents like? Or you're always worried about who your kids are hanging out with. Well, you feel more comfortable sending your kid over to somebody's house that you know they got pretty strong values there. You know there's going to be two parents. You know they're going to be watching them uh, and that it's important to them. So I don't think basketball is any different. When you're recruiting, uh, you want guys that have really strong values that you can rely on, especially in Division Three. It's just really difficult to put – in Division Three. execution is higher up the ladder. When I was at Texas Tech, we're trying to beat Oklahoma. Well, we played the second time when Pat was the coach there. We're watching film of our first game against Oklahoma. And Blake Griffin, I don't know what he had, 28 and 7. So yeah. We showed clips where we played behind him, and he took one dribble and turned and dunked it over one of our guys. And we, where we played in front of him where he got every offensive rebound. So there wasn't a whole lot we were going to do to limit Blake Griffin's impact on the game. Execute, even, if, even if we executed at the highest level. In Division Three, execution really matters because talent is really important. It's relative. you still got to have it. But in Division Three, if you can get those guys on the same page, you can get a six-three or six-four guy to do some of the things that a six-eight or six-nine guy can do for you effectively at a higher level. So, um, you know, we really emphasize those things. And, and again, it's it really comes down to, you know, what do you believe in, and what can you get the guys to really understand and take pride in being a part of. Yeah, and don't you feel like Division Three? And I, I know you might hesitate to say this. I think it's the true coaching bastion. I mean, because you really have to coach up. Well, I'll tell you the one thing to an extent. Yes. Like I said, you got to kind of pick your deficiency, but this is the most uneven level I've ever been a part of. I mean, we'll recruit a guy and it'll cost him 18 or $20,000 to come to trying, but it'll only cost him six to go to Albion. So it's significantly different there in terms of who you can get and the control you have. You know, I'm probably third on the list in terms of how we get a guy versus when we go head to head. The financial aid at this level is really, it's a, it's in a lot of different ways, depending on who you're going against, you kind of have an idea yeah. what you're going to look at. But that's part of it. you got to accept that. you got to embrace it. So you've got to work harder. And what I've learned in nine years is to become more efficient with who we recruit that fits our mold a little bit more that we can we have a better shot at getting. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's a, it's a very true form of coaching. But, but believe me, I, I mean, I, I've been at those other levels. Those guys are putting in the time and they're recruiting and they're raising, you know, they're going to speak to boosters and donors. And, uh, you know, I just, I could just tell you from being at Texas Tech with coach, you know, coach Beardstaff, they're in there in the mornings, 
they're there from probably, you know, they're all there at different times, but they're, they're definitely in there meeting at like 10 a.m. to about 5 p.m. or 6. The guys get to go home and have dinner with their families, put their kids to bed. Then they're back in there at 9.30 at night. Yeah. Three in the morning. You know, so, I mean, those guys are working 12 hours a day, seven days a week, and all they're focused on is how can we get David Moretti an open three against this player? Uh, you, you know, so there's a lot of different – they have a lot more resources than we have. But, you, you know, it's, 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 everything's a challenge right. if you want to be successful at it. And, and I think that uh, I've learned a lot in Division Three. That, that probably the best part about it, again, is I've made a lot of mistakes here. And there's probably only about five or six people in the stand that really, that really notice, <laughs> you know, right. uh, relative to, you know, five or six thousand. Uh, you know, and, and I, I love to fish. And, and coaching to me is like fishing. Um, every time I go out there, I feel like I learn something different. You know, why didn't I think of that before? Why? How could I not have come up with that? Or why? What were we thinking there? How did we let this happen? And, you know, same thing with fishing. Why didn't I try this color? Or if I would have threw it, you know, if I'd have hunted for this area instead of that area. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's competition, and I think competition drives us, and is what made our country so great. Um, and we've been able to utilize athletics to, to drive that competition, which I think puts us ahead of a lot of other places. There's a lot of competitive spirit in what we. I think uh, athletics is, is really, is really significant. Of that. Absolutely coach. And, and Hey, how are we doing on time here? I know you're on the road traveling. Yeah. You know, you, you have about five minutes or so. I, I have a couple I more questions. Yep. That's awesome. Coach. Um, hey, I, I feel like I'm under pressure, man. I love it. This is great. Hey, um, hey, tell me about your practice system and what I call my DNA drills. Those are drills that you will do consistently every day talk about your practice and your best drills well we, we structure practice almost like a football practice in a lot of different ways um, we don't do shooting drills unless, unless they're involved within our every drill we do is within our offense so we break down our motion if we, we three line shooting and we work on the down screen with a passer a screener and a cutter and then we have two coaching passes on the back side so we're, and everybody gets a shot. So we do that a lot to start practice. We will do some position shooting. Uh, we, we really like working on the reverse dribble. We think that opens up a lot of things, anything this direction uh, with our guards, um, jump stop finishes, stuff like that. The big guys, post moves, slip into the basket, setting screens, popping, anything you would consider motion type stuff we do to start our practice. We'll do a lot of five on zero. So, again, the motion allows for a lot of creativity within coaches, but more so within the players. So we'll do four, five on zero for anywhere between five to 12 minutes. We'll start out in an entry. We'll give them rules for five on zero. So uh, this possession, we'll get the shot clock under 10. This possession, we want to get three reversals. This possession, we're looking for two back cuts. This possession, we're looking for two tight curls. This possession, Jake's got to set three different screens. This possession, we got to screen the passer twice. Uh, this possession, the ball's got to touch the post or, or, or paint touch. So we'll do that five on zero. Then we'll go into four on four. And then we'll do those rules live, or we'll do five on five live. Um, but then we get into our we'll get into our defensive stuff. We go lots of five on four, six on five. We have balls. Our shell drills are basically continuity offenses that we have a uh, a cannon, uh, a third group or a fourth group do, depending on how many guys we got. So they'll be down learning like the the, the Princeton offense. So we'll run against the Princeton shell or we'll run against a, uh, uh, a Euro ball screen shell or, or a high ball screen shell. Uh, so we work on ball screen defense probably, you know, 15 minutes a day, just, just ball screen after ball screen with one team playing offense the whole time. 
We work on a five-out drill with, with bluffing and being in the gaps. We work on post-entry drill, doubling the post and rotating out. Um, you know, our defensive, it's, it's the same stuff really every day, day in and day out. Then we'll play with transition. We work a lot from a free throw block out, which you wouldn't think we did if you watched a couple of our games early in the year. <laughs> transition, um, you know, we'll play with two transitions a lot or three transitions, start at one end, go to the other and come back. And then we do a lot of four-minute games. We think those four-minute games put us in a lot of different situations. So we really try to utilize that last minute of the four-minute game to say, okay, this is the score. This is where we're at. This is what we're trying to accomplish here um, and do those uh, and, and really handle those areas. But I think, uh, you know, one of the things I, I really like with what we do is I think we, we're extremely competitive. Uh, we try to keep everything really competitive, and we score what we value. We're not a very good rebounding team. So you get not only do you get a point for a basket, but if you get an offensive rebound, you get a point. Uh, so you try to we, we try to get out and create turnovers in the gaps um, or, or digging the ball out of the paint. So if you get a steal, you get a point for that. And it also helps emphasize with the guys just because if you're not making shots, if you're a shooter, that's, there's other ways to help us win the game. You know, even the best shooters are only taking anywhere between 15 to 20 shots normally on average. And there's 70 possessions in a game. So what else can you do? Uh, when you're not shooting the ball to help your team win. Yeah, I love that. So you have specificity within your competitiveness. So it's not just points. And I I, actually, I really like that. I really like that part of your, your practice system. Hey, we're playing – my last question is we're playing a team on Friday that's quick as a cat. Now, we're not very quick, but, you know, we're, we're sound. How do you – and they're great rebounders. How would you emphasize blocking out quickness? <laughs> Boy, you know, if you look at our numbers, that's the one area we have not been very good in. Uh, a lot of that has to do with our scheme because we're rotating a lot, uh, keeping the ball out of middle and, and doing things like that. But, you know, I, I think it's really a mindset. Um, you know, the best way for me to tell you would be to go rec start recruiting like some of these other high schools. <laughs> I would say, it, you know, it, it still comes down to when you have the ball, how can you frustrate them with the ball? Getting it side to side, screening them, uh, not taking – shots and not turning it over if right. shot selection is i told our guys tonight we're playing it against a team that averages over 80 game they shoot 49 percent from the field i said if we get good possessions tonight if we get solid possessions and we don't make shots we're still capable of winning the game 48 to 40 sure we take quick shots and we're making them we're still capable of losing the game 92 to 85 so it's really, really important that we get those good, solid possessions and making sure, um, you know, we value the ball every time we get it because it is precious and you only get to – it's uh, you know, you got to take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, I love that. That's great advice, Coach. And I really appreciate you, uh, you know, on on the uh, travel bus, man. I appreciate you, you sharing with us all your great wisdom. Uh, how can we get a hold of you? I got all your information on the podcast that I'm going to share, but what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, email or my cell phone. My cell phone's 419-304-8517. Uh, I don't mind giving that out. And, and my email is on the website. It's millerb at trying.edu. Um, but, uh, no, we're just I'm thankful that you that you invited me to be on. Like I told you earlier, you know, sometimes it's nice for us coaches. We like to hear ourselves talk to at least maybe convince ourselves we're doing something. <laughs> right. Well, it sounds like you are, and I wish you the best, man. Hey, let's get five in a row tonight, Coach. All right, thank you. I really appreciate it. All right, Coach, take care. Thank you. All right, bye now. Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. 
Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis with online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram. Hi, this is Sean Glaze of Great Results Team Building, and you're improving your team culture by listening to Coach Kevin Furtado and the Championship Vision Podcast.